begins with this gate drop. Hello, everyone. Welcome once again to a special episode of the Power to the Ground podcast. I am Steve Merrill. With me, as always, Mr. Jesse Tolpa. Jesse, how are you doing? I am doing fantastic. I'm out at the races. Couldn't be any better. Yeah, man, we, we're doing something really special today. Um, we'll talk about that in a little bit, but first, let's get to some spots. Thank you for tuning into the Power to the Ground podcast. Check us out on Instagram, where we share race highlights, and we record this podcast on Instagram Live every Sunday morning. Also, visit our website, www.power2theground.com, where you can check out some merch, and don't forget to sign up for our email list for giveaways, news, and to get notified every time we upload a new podcast. All right, so today we are recording live from some races. Jesse, where are we? What are we doing out here? Right now, we are out in Burville, Rhode Island. We are recording from a, uh, a race that is put on by Netra and the Pilgrim Sands Trail Riders Association. Um, they're a couple of great organizations. If you are here in the New England area, you have probably heard of both of those associations. If you haven't, I would highly recommend looking them up. If you like riding, um, you should probably know about them. They're great organizations. They have great youth um, youth programs. Uh, they bring these kids all the way up from, from being young, young kids. Um, you'll probably hear some bikes going by every once in a while. So um, we've done our best to kind of separate ourselves from all of the, uh, the bike traffic. But as you can hear, there's a bike going by right now. I don't know, yeah. It gives you a little bit of a good feel, man, yeah. when you hear those bikes going by. It's Absolutely. Just, it's the atmosphere, you know. Gets my blood pumping every single time. And the smell, the smell of the exhaust riding by, can't beat it. Can't beat it. And, you know, that's really what it comes down to. Like, we, you know, when we came up with and talked to uh, Pilgrim Sands about, you know, recording live here today, it's just putting ourselves in an environment surrounded by the thing that we love, that we love talking about. So, you know, sitting here talking about races while there's races going on and you hear the bikes going by, you know, it's um, definitely something I'd like to do again in the future too. Absolutely. And I, uh, again, I'd like to say a, a thank you to uh, Netra and the Pilgrim Sands Trail Riders Association, uh, PSTR. Um, thank you very much for giving us the, uh, the go ahead to come out here and record here from the races. All right. So, I mean, we got races going on in the background. Let's talk about what happened in yesterday's races starting with the 250s as always and uh i'm pretty sure we haven't seen uh quite as wild a set of motos as we saw in the 250s yesterday oh yesterday was crazy i've got this i've got the results here yesterday um we had mcelrath who came out of left field just out of nowhere hasn't done anything at all this year came out ran a 1-1 and he really was i mean he he earned it he was the fastest rider on the track all day yeah and and just to give you an idea our number two and our number three, we have Ciancio Rulo, who ran a 2-5. He picked up number two. Justin Cooper, who ran a 6-2, he picked up a number three. And then Ferrandis, who pulled a 4-4, and obviously he took a fourth. And you then know, from there on out, it was just chaos. all over the place. It was, those first four were the only, like, as close as it got to consistency yesterday. There was people top five, that bottom, down them freaking 14, you know, wherever it is. Yeah. And, or 15th to 18th to 5th. <laughs> like, it's is really, like, what are some of the numbers you ever We did? got Alex Martin went 18-3. <laughs> Chase Sexton went 12-6. Um... 
Hardenraft went 15-7. Uh, Moseman went 5-14. It was just all over the place. All over the map. And, you know, really what that did for – I mean, we saw, talked last week. The championship's really over. <clears throat> Davalos, 9-38. Wow. <laughs> what happened to Davalos? I don't know. He finished the race apparently, but, yeah. Oh, my God. Hey, but that's – that chaos really didn't do Ferrandis any favors because even though we we pretty much knew the championship was over um, going into this this weekend, it wasn't officially over, and there was still a chance that it, you know if he had gone one one, maybe you know he he keeps it alive for the last week, and he had to really work his way through the pack, and uh, especially in that first moto, uh, he was he was on rails, yeah, but he started so far back that there was really nothing he could do once he got into fourth. And Cianciarulo was already up in second. You know, he just watched his, his championship hopes go away. Yeah, this is two weeks in a row that Ferrandis just hasn't gotten the job done to, to keep himself in that in in the hunt for the championship. Um, he he had to beat Cianciarulo for these for these past two weeks. He absolutely failed to do so in both. Not only did he fail to beat him, like he failed to even keep stay, it close. Stay close to him. Yeah, and that's. That's why Cianciarulo is going to be the champion, you know. And so, technically, I guess it's if Cianciarulo gains six or more points in the first moto, it's over. If not, he's going to take it in the second moto. Either way, he's going to wrap it up this weekend as long as he stays on two wheels. Um, but really, at this point, Ferrandis hasn't done anything to earn. Um, There's a. Can you just press yeah. something? Ferrandis really hasn't done anything to earn a chance at the cha- championship at this point because when it mattered most, he just he failed. Right. So I, I don't know. You know, I, I kind of hope Cianciarulo stays on two wheels at this point because I'd hate to see him lose it to someone who really just didn't deserve it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Cianciarulo has definitely been the most consistent rider out there all year long. He, he's, and it, that's what the championship's got to go to. It's got to go to the best and most consistent rider, and he has been by far that because everybody else has just been all over the map. You know, and that's one of the big debates, too, because you can win a lot of races and still not win the championship. So... You know, the champion each season is not necessarily the fastest rider on a daily basis. It is the one who can put together the most consistent, highest level finishes. And, you know, even on their bad days, you know, they talked about it. You don't, uh, Ricky says it all the time on the broadcast. You don't win the championships on your good days. You win championships on your bad days. Because if your bad day is a fifth or a sixth, you're doing okay. If your bad day is a 15th or an 18th, then you're probably not going to be in the hunt for a championship. Right. Uh, It's the the Dungy effect. Yeah, and you know, and there's a reason he was a champion so many times. So, yep. um, and then so, well, I know we've been kind of keeping track of the uh, the, the the Lawrence brothers. Yeah, and uh, so they, they had it's a brother little bit love. of that. Yeah, a little bit of <laughs> coming together a little bit in those in those models. I am really excited to see these two grow and uh, kind of come into their own. Uh, Hunters looked really good, but really Jet just shows flashes of being so fast. Um, you know. I feel like with, if he gets, once he gets used to being a pro and kind of gets into his groove, this kid could be winning races by 45 seconds, 50 seconds on a regular basis. He's yeah. so fast. He's definitely, he's a future superstar in this sport for sure. Um, just to give you some places, so uh, I was chatting back and forth with uh, Hunter Lawrence throughout the week, um, just kind of talking some smack to him about his his younger brother jumping up into the pro, into the pro races here. But... Um, Hunter, he uh, he made sure to let me know throughout the week that he was in fact riding faster than his younger brother. Just he wanted to make sure that I knew that, <laughs> just for my information. Um, and in fact, Hunter did go number twelve overall. He took a ten thirteen. Um, Jet, 
Jet in the second moto was riding inside the top 10 for, for probably the first half of the moto. He ended up taking a 24-30, and uh, he finished 26th overall. But the, the first moto was really fun between the two of these because I don't know if, you, if any of you noticed out there, those two came together in the whole shot, and then they linked up, and they passed a whole bunch of riders side by side throughout the race until finally Hunter kind of separated himself. Uh, towards the end of the moto. You know, and that's going to come with some more experience, too, for Jet. To watch these two, I mean, two riders who clearly are the future of the sport, um, who are, are clearly going to be the, the top of the class as long as they keep, you know, improving like we think they should. Um, so, I mean, look for them even as early as next year to start dominating in the 250s, and I think that's going to be a lot of fun to watch them going at it, you know, and then seeing who else can try to keep up with them you know the justin coopers of the world some of these other young riders so uh the future for the 250s is looking really bright absolutely some other some other names thrown in there uh ty masterpool he was he led a lot of laps i he's a young kid he's he's very very young you know he's he's another this is his first time on a on a 250 first year on a 250 so he showed some uh some flashes there we had shimoda shimoda is another one that came up with jet lawrence yeah He's just, he's newly, he's newly in the, in the pro rides. And uh, Shimoda finished 13th overall. He took a 13-12. Wow. That was a consistent ride from a, a young, young kid. First time in the uh, 250s professionals. So, it, yeah, we're looking really, really good for the next couple of years here in the 250 class. Um, it'd be interesting, it'll be interesting to see which ones of these kids actually uh, ride into Supercross this year um some of them will some of them won't um but either way i think we've got a pretty deep pack of really really good young kids coming into this class i'm excited yeah it's and i'm especially because you know you said supercross too I'm, I'm interested to see which one of these guys does ride supercross because um you know especially with the, the east west split you know i think we can have some really really interesting championship runs and races coming up in this season and uh you know watching these kids grow into professionals is going to be a lot of fun and i think it's one of the one of my favorite parts about how you know professional motocross is kind of set up is we do get to it's not like some of these other sports where the minor leagues nobody nobody cares about you know nobody cares about the triple a teams nobody cares about you know the the i mean people watch college i guess for pro but you know the d league in, in basketball people care about the 250s because you get just as exciting competition and and these guys are professionals they're they're up there um, and they can compete with with the best in the world. They are the best in the world. So to see the 250 and the 450 classes both getting some really, really... I mean, look at who's going to be going up here pretty soon to the 450s. I mean, the 450s is going to start getting even more stacked than what is already considered a really deep field. Yep. I mean, we'll get to the 450s later, but... Um, Cianci Rulo's moving up. Yep. He's going to be teammates with Tomac next year. Yeah, we've got some interesting stuff happening over the next couple of years. So um, we got one race left for... In the entire motocross season, so for the 250s, you know, Ed Santorillo is just going to stay on two wheels. He's not going to push. He's not going to do anything. Dude can finish 10-10 and, and, you know, clinch the championship. So, um, that, I mean, that's pretty much going to wrap it up for him. For Ferrandis, I think he's got to uh, he's got to kind of take stock of this one. Step back. I mean, he won the Supercross last year, so I think he'll come into this Supercross feeling pretty confident um, coming up the season. But I think this one hurts a little bit because he had really had a chance to really close a lot of ground on Santorillo. And if he had even started better... Uh, like he had been riding in you know midway through the season that I think he would have put up more of a fight but he just didn't seem to have it this year no he had the speed he had flashes of the speed um, he just couldn't put the whole thing together 
and that's that's what you have to do. You got to put the whole thing together. It's a long season. Uh, there's a lot of competition, and here if they you come. can't, yeah, here comes some bikes. <laughs> here comes some bikes. If you hear me just stop talking, you can hear the drooling. It's because I'm looking <laughs> at all these gorgeous bikes riding around. Huh. Uh, yeah, so it's a long season. There's a lot of competition. So if you can't just put it all together for the whole season, you can't expect to win. And that's what Ferrandis has got to work on doing. So, I mean, hopefully we see some improvement for him. Uh, absolutely. So next week, really what I'm looking at is, one, Sienna Ruluth staying on two wheels. I'm um, not really going to be watching Ferrandis at all. I kind of want to see Justin Cooper. I want to see if he has a, a, a strong finish to the season, kind of carry some of that momentum. Um, and obviously, you know, really the most exciting part for me looking forward to next week as far as I'm not going to do, you know, I don't think we need to do predictions because there's one race left. I want to watch these Lawrence brothers and just see if there's, you know, I mean, I think Jet is racing again next week. Jet is um, racing again. Yep. That's, uh, th- this is, this is, uh, I mean, the, the races have been pretty much wrapped up, the, the championships, I mean. Um, so I've been really just looking for other narratives to watch. And this the Lawrence Brothers is, the is probably Lawrence, the narrative going the into Lawrence, next week. Yeah, the Lawrence Brothers are, is definitely the narrative that, I've, that I'm looking forward Let's to Let's see watching. if we can get Hunter fired up again this week and, uh, and get them to push each other a little bit next yeah. week. So we'll be trying to we'll we'll talk be a little talking bit. talking a little smack. <laughs> so I think that's going to probably do it for the 250s. Um, I mean, it was a wild day, so hopefully you enjoyed those races. We definitely did. Uh, we're going to take a quick sponsor break. We'll come back and talk about the 450s. All right. All right, so we're back and uh, talking about the 450s. Well, it is official, I guess, but I mean, really, we kind of knew it was over for quite a few weeks now. Eli Tomac, only the fourth rider ever to win three motocross championships in a row, um, just further building up his resume for one of the best riders ever. Now, obviously, he still has the one thing to do, uh, but he wrapped it up officially yesterday. Um, but really, uh, what stood out to me yesterday was. The cream rose to the crop, uh, to the top. <laughs> the cream of the crop <laughs> rose to the top. The cream top. of the crop rose to the top. You knew what I was I trying heard to you. I heard it. But no, it, it, so Eli obviously won one. He did Eli things. Roxon looked racy again. He just wasn't quite on uh, Tomac's pace, which is really not saying much. Tomac is not a lot of people are on Tomac's pace. That's true. But Roxon is really rounding into form, and I think we didn't see it until the second moto where the endurance part of it is starting to kick in but he's got time to work on his his getting his endurance back i think right now is getting his raciness back getting his confidence back and really the past few races especially this weekend i think has done a lot for that so if he gets his endurance back he's gonna i think he's gonna give eli a run for his money i agree i think uh supercross is gonna be very very interesting um roxon definitely has to work on the endurance thing um, again, they mentioned some more excuses for him during the race that, you know, he's been battling this, whatever this sickness is that he's been working on this whole summer that, um, apparently only when it's really hot does this, this thing come so into play. So what you're saying is when it's really hot, he has this thing where he gets really tired really yeah. quickly? It's amazing. That's, that doesn't happen to human beings it's a, it's ever. pretty, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so Ken, Ken finished with a 2-7. He took a fourth overall. Um, he, I thought he was going to keep up with Tomac in the first, in the uh, the beginning of the first moto. And well, he I did. Th- he he got right up on him there early in the race, and then almost I think as soon as Tomac heard him kind of creeping up on him, I think Tomac gunned it a little bit and just started gapping him you know, pretty quickly. Yeah. So, guys, we've got a little jump that's right in front of us. And everybody who's out here is—they're uh, having fun 
speeding by and hitting this jump that's right in front of us. So if you hear bikes just kind of revving right in front of us, that's what's happening. We've got a bunch of... Uh, we were thinking about getting like uh, like number cards so we can start judging the jumps, yeah. you know, like holding up, <laughs> oh, that was a seven, that was a seven. Um, so back to the races, yeah, Kenny, Kenny just, he didn't put the whole race together. Um, Tomac did. Um, Anderson came came out for a race for so that the first was, time this year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was where I was starting to go with it, right? Anderson finally showed up. Um, and I think that bodes well for Supercross and, you know, him, him moving forward in the future. It looks like he's finally starting to come back into form. He was another... Him and Roxen both have just had a really long way to get back to where they were when they were dominating the sport. Yep. Um, so it's really good to see Jason Anderson. You know, 4-2 is solid for him. Um, he looked he looked fast. He looked he looked good. And obviously, finishing two second in the uh, second moto means he doesn't have quite the same uh, longevity or endurance issues that someone like Roxon seems to be having. So he's clearly in shape. Um, so I think his confidence needs to get back up. So this weekend probably really helps. Hopefully, he can carry that to the final race of this season into the off season. Yeah, um, Anderson. He especially in the second moto, he looked really fast. Um, actually, it looked like he was gaining on Tomac as soon as he caught up into uh, second place. Um, and I, I can't say that that's really a, a, a tip-top barometer for how fast he was because it also looked like if you watched the after-race interview with Tomac, he wasn't even he out wasn't of breath. He wasn't tired. He wasn't, so he probably mailed it in towards the end. He probably His pit crew probably told him where he was and that he was safe. Probably let off on the gas, which is probably why Anderson started gaining on him towards the end. But it's still, it's good to see Anderson in... Uh, in a position where he is pushing towards the front because um, that's what we need. We need more guys pushing towards the front to yeah, challenge Tomac and make really, this thing interesting. We really do. And, you know, so speaking of making things interesting, I'm, I think I'm just going to start recording this, and instead of saying it every week, I'm just going to hit the play button. Moose Gang goes 3-3 three, three. Uh, <laughs> because at this point, that's it. it's just a quiet 3-3. Three, three. It's what he does. He has a level of consistency that you need you know we've talked about guys like Dungey we just said it in the in the 250s is what happened he has a top level of consistency so he's always in the championship hunt but he doesn't have that next gear to pull through every once in a while to take some wins because you still have to win races too it's the combination of winning races and gaining points and then being consistent on your off days Muskan has the consistency he's constantly top five you know podiums all the time but he can't string together wins and really just either gain or gap people in the point standings and it just he, he's just had so much trouble doing that and for him to finish 3-3 is just that's just what he does and once again Muskan finishes 3-3 it's just I feel like I'm repeating myself week after week yeah he's uh Muskan is just not progressing the way that anybody thought that he was going to um if he keeps going, like, I mean, I think he's already lost his team. Um, I think Webb ha- is the, the number one. The number one. I think he's the flagship rider on that team. Yeah, but if he doesn't, if he doesn't change something going into this Supercross season, he may not only be the number two. He may not have a KTM ride anymore because there's so much young talent that's going to be coming up. He might have to switch to another ride because how are they? How are you going to continue to sponsor somebody on a factory ride when you have potential championship caliber riders coming through the ranks and guys like Cooper Webb, who is a champion? Yeah, I mean, you've got Cooper Webb there. Just looking at, down at this, this. Uh, this list here. I mean, we've got McElrath and we've got McAdoo, who are both already on KTM's right now, um, and they're going to be chomping at the bit in the, here in just the next. Both of them, both of them in Supercross and Outdoor, do compete, and um, if they can put it together and and jump up to the 450s, and Muskan's got some real problems in in, <laughs> in 
in store for him coming up. You know, and I think do it, jump, do it. No, <laughs> no, taking it easy, scouting out the Jeep. You know, and I and I hate to even say that I can't believe we're even having the conversation of is Marvin Muskan in danger of losing his ride, but is Marvin Muskan in danger of losing his ride at this point? He just, I we said you know we talked about it a couple weeks ago when you say um, who's gonna win you know a certain race or a certain this this or that uh, championships. When you named off all these other riders, you said it'd be realistic. They have a realistic chance at winning. And you said, you said Muskin. I'm like, nah, I wouldn't be surprised if he just finishes second or third again. Yeah. Yeah, and that's really what it comes down to. Uh, that's actually something I have to check into, though, is the contracts to see if uh, if Muskin. Because there was a bunch of riders who just signed some new contracts recently. Uh, I don't know if Muskin was one of them. You know, and I'm not saying it's going to happen this year, but it just he's not trending in the right direction, I think, is my point. And if he's not careful, he's going to lose his ride. Yeah, I think the problem is he's not trending in any direction. Right. He's just plat- completely plateaued. Um, there's some other some other fun stuff that happened in the 450s. I mean, we had Barsha, who, who really had a, a good showing yesterday. He's really started to come back on strong here these last few weeks. Um, I, I'm really impressed with, impressed with what I've seen from Barsha. I know they talked a little bit about... He feels like the bike needed a lot of tweaking, and you know he spent a lot of time tweaking this, tweaking that, tweaking this. And I think I'm gonna be honest. I feel like it was probably a lot in his head. Um, you know, I think Barsha just needed some confidence again, and uh, it looks like he's starting to get it. Yeah, he's he's racing up towards the top. I mean, he made a he made a uh, consistent six five for six overall yesterday. Um, and it's fun to watch Barsha up front, I, especially when he links up with. Um, Anderson. Anderson. Barsha and Anderson Barsha is like Anderson. those two trying to pass each other. It's <laughs> it's ridiculous because both of them are two of the hardest riders in the, in the class to pass. And both of them are the kind of riders that if you do pass them, they are going to either take you down with them as they try to pass you back or just, you know, go go, go back after you. So they're, they're fun to watch link up. Yeah. Uh, even more fun than watching Anderson and Barsha link up is uh, uh, Barsha and Dean Wilson. Barsha and Dean Wilson, the 51 and the 15, as soon as they link up, um, there's always fireworks. And I'm really, really upset because at, in, in Moto2, um, Barsha was running in number five, and Dean Wilson, and they both both of these guys were running through the pack and passing people. Um, but De- Dean Wilson finished with the number six, and they did link up quite a few times in the second moto, and they never showed it on the broadcast. And I'm kind of upset about that because, like I said, it's always fireworks when these two find themselves next to each other on the on the uh, track. Yeah, and, and um, you know, Dean Wilson's another one that you know we, we you really want to see some improvement from him here pretty soon you know he's been in the 450s for a little bit of time now and he was a he was a rider that i at least thought was going to be be really competing when he came up um he definitely has had a few flashes um but i just don't think he's been able to string together you know consistent really top rides yet yeah he's he's he very much like cole seeley um he since he especially since he came up to the 450s he's been fighting against injury pretty much his entire time up on 450 he'll be He'll be on the bike, and then he'll be off the bike for like a year, and then he'll be on the bike, and he'll be off the bike for a year. So, um, yeah, actually, he might be up there with Kosili as one of the most injury-prone riders we've ever seen. Barsha's actually had a lot of a string of them too. Yeah. Um, so that, I mean, that's another. I mean, injury will definitely, you know, uh, stagnate def- progress. <laughs> yeah. Is is take the wind out of your sails for sure. Um, 
but I know he has the talent and the speed to compete with some of these top riders, and I just really would like to see him string that together because he's definitely a rider I think I like to I enjoy enjoy watching. Right. I heard an uh, an interesting perspective on a uh, on another motocross podcast over this past week where a lot of these kids are coming up through the ranks and they're coming up to uh, the the uh, pro races. They're they're not spending really any time in the amateurs and they're uh, they're not giving them any time to gain any experience before they all of a sudden end up in the pro races where they're just holding it open for and and their their perspective on this was because they're not gaining that experience racing against these other um, maybe lesser riders in the amateur ranks um, they are basically just breaking themselves as soon as they come into the pro ranks um, they're they're riding against all these other riders who have been riding. They're pushing themselves outside of their comfort zones to keep up. Too, right. you know, you and start riding beyond your your level. You're gonna go down more. You're gonna get hurt more. Yeah, you just you're completely taken out of your comfort your comfort zone, and you've got all these like 16 year old kids trying to ride against these professional 25 year olds who have been riding professionally for between you know seven and eight years, and uh, it's a recipe for disaster for these younger kids and you've seen it happen over and over again and their their thought was do you make it so that there's a do you raise the minimum age for coming up to professional um and i think it's an interest an interesting conversation that we should probably tackle at some point over the uh, we got an entire off season to do it you know? and that's i think that is a great topic because I mean, you really want to protect these guys. This is their career. This is their livelihood. And obviously, it's going to help the sport if they stay healthy because they're going to have better competition and better riders. Right. Um, so and longevity. Some longevity. of them will be able to, some of them will be, be able to uh, ride until older ages, you know. Like, you've, you've got um, uh, some of these riders. I'm sorry, a lot of these riders, they're, they're retiring before they even hit 30. And like somebody like Cole Seely, you know, they when they're talking about this, you know, did Cole Seely make enough money before he retired to support him for the rest of his life? I mean, he was what twenty seven? Yeah, he's I mean, so young, and you know, I'm sure Cole be, can stay around the sport. Yeah, he's got out. connections. He's but definitely still. got connections, but it's a good point, you know. And really, Cole was forced to retire, you know, and that's kind of the point about this. The yeah. longevity just isn't there because he just dealt with so much injury throughout his career. So, um, so looking ahead next week, yeah. um, there's really, there is literally nothing to watch as far as championship goes because it's already wrapped up. Um, anybody particularly you want to keep an eye on to see what kind of momentum they carry into the off season? Uh, yeah, I want to watch Roxon. I want to see where Roxon finishes next week. I want to see where Anderson finishes next week, um, just to see if any of these guys are going to carry any momentum going into Supercross to compete with Tomac. Um, because I mean, Ball is in Tomac's court. He's got three three championships in a row outdoor, um, and really the only thing that he has to prove left is his, his indoor championship. If he can pull even one Supercross championship, he's in he's in the conversation for greatest ever. Um, but he's got to do that first. So Ball's in his court, and I'll be very interested to see who else pulls some moment, some momentum going into the indoor season. I want to see Roxon um, finish stronger in the race I want to see that his endurance is starting to get back because if that comes back then I think he is one of the ones that pushes Tomac um, I want to see Anderson like you said um, really just get consistent because he has the speed he's, he definitely has the endurance 
Um, so you know his confidence. I'm interested to see how Barsha does going into the offseason. I'm wondering if he can. He he has a couple of Supercross wins in his career, so I'm wondering if he can kind of you know throw a wrench in things going into the Supercross season. If he can carry some of some confidence and momentum going into the the last week of the season. Um, so, so those are definitely some of the riders. And then I'm always watching Muskin because he's a personal favorite, and um, I want to see him get angry. I want to see Muskin. Just, the championship's over, dude. You know you have nothing to. You have nothing left to, to really technically ride for outside of just personal pride. Like, if if Muskin pulls off, like, a 1-1 and, like, a dominating 1-1 in the last week, then, yeah, sure, it doesn't mean anything because no one else is trying. But it might mean something to him. And yeah. uh, I think he needs something like that. I'm not I'm not counting on it. I wouldn't. <laughs> but I think he needs something like that. Yeah, Muskin's a pretty – he's a prototypical Frenchman. <laughs> you know, I don't – he just – he. I don't think he culturally has that fire in him. Um it's there. It's definitely there somewhere. I, I, it's got to be. I just, I, dude is a competitor. He's a, he's a professional racer. It's got to be in there, right? Yeah. We'll see if it comes out. So uh, we've got the the uh, riders starting to come out of the forest. So uh, I think we're gonna. I think that's about it. Probably wrap it up here before we start losing. Pretty soon, all you're gonna hear is those bikes and yeah. not us, which might be not be a bad thing, you know. It's yeah, <laughs> we'll we'll leave the broadcast up for a little bit. Get, get some stuff here, but um, so yeah, thank you all for joining us. Um, any last quick uh, plugs or shoutouts before we we sign off for the day? Nope, not at all. I'm excited to be out here at the races and see you guys all next week. All right, man. We'll see you all next week. We'll be back at our our normal studio. Recording, unfortunately, not going to be live, but uh, hopefully you enjoy the podcast, and we'll see you. We'll talk about the last race of the motocross season and what to expect going into the off season. Thanks, Jesse. We'll see you next week. Thanks, Steve.